it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, I think we just are we are wrapping up one of the uh, best weeks under the Steve Cohen ownership of the Mets. And I know that that's a subjective thing. And I know that this week didn't have anything like super duper, um, ch- you know, game changing about the 2022 Mets or about... Uh, their playoff chance or anything like that. But I think that when we look back on the story of this season, this week did a couple of things that are worth talking about. The first is the Mets pulled off a very successful old-timers day on Saturday. Uh, I attended with my father-in-law, who's been a Mets fan since 62, and we were both really blown away by the, the whole event. We'll talk about that more in detail in a minute. This week also had... Uh, as part of Old Timers Day, the retirement of Willie Mays' number, which is a promise made to him uh, almost 50 years ago, that is finally coming true, which shows a level of respect for both Willie Mays and Joan Payson and the Mets in general that prior ownership groups have not always uh, demonstrated. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. The Mets also... Um, took two of three from the first place Dodgers with the best record in baseball. And at the same time did not lose any ground to the Braves 
Uh, in fact, they gained ground over the Braves since the last time we recorded. And so that seems pretty momentous. And then on top of that, we have Timmy Trumpet coming out and playing for Edwin Diaz. And uh, that, too, is sort of a... I mean, that's that's such a minor thing in the scope of actual baseball. But I think that all of that taken together provides one of the signature weeks for the Mets under Steve Cohen thus far. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. It, what a combination of things to be able to do in the span of a week. I guess the only thing that didn't go perfectly was that they didn't win seven out of seven games, but they, right. <laughs> they came pretty damn close. Four game series, even against a bad team like the Rockies, winning three out of four, winning the series. Uh, it's been the motto of the season going back to, uh, to the very beginning. This Mets team has won a whole lot of series and not lost many. Uh, and then to do it again against the Dodgers. And it was really funny. Uh, I, I had, you know, looked through stuff to put together Mets morning news for this morning. And I, I, my line in it that I'll say again on the podcast in case people don't catch every word of every Mets morning news, <laughs> although that is sort of like required homework for for, for everything with Amazing Avenue. But uh, it's nice when there are writers out there trying to discredit or downplay when the Mets beat a good team like the Dodgers instead of uh, doing the same thing when they beat bad teams, which right. I am sure we'll see some of that over the next couple of weeks. Assuming the Mets take care of business and beat up on the Nationals, Pirates, Marlins, etc., uh, the same people who wrote things about the Dodgers series along the lines of, well, the Dodgers lost the series to the Nationals once, and, and they lost uh, you know, a bunch of games to the Pirates this year to try to discredit the Mets. I'm sure they'll turn around and say the same thing to try to knock the Mets down if they beat those same teams. Uh, because, you know, if that's your business of uh, sort of – analyzing baseball there's nothing wrong with contradicting yourself 24 hours after the thing you just <laughs> wrote as long as you can try to make the Mets look bad uh go for it but yeah that that's uh that's my brief soapbox moment uh it just really uh I don't know I keep I keep saying we're not putting it in writing yet but it just feels more and more like lol Mets is dead or if not dead, very close to it. Uh, that doesn't guarantee the Mets are going to win the World Series every year this year and beyond. Uh, but just this, and it, it goes back to Keith's number retirement too. Uh, oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, I, that that just wasn't this week. But really embracing Mets history in a way that I think, like I've never been a person to to complain too much that, oh, City Field has an Ebbets Field uh, sort of style to it. Certainly the Rotunda, Jackie Robinson uh, featured prominently there. I, I always thought that linking back to New York National League baseball history made sense. And um, with Old Timers Day, and we can get more into details of that, but they, they tapped into that with adding Willie Mays to the number of retirements. Uh, among Mets players, as you mentioned, 
Uh, and that, I don't know, it just it sort of completes the, the puzzle a little bit. Uh, certainly Jackie Robinson is perhaps the most important figure in the history of baseball and a significant one in the history of the country. But uh, for anybody who was feeling like it was a little too Dodger centric, uh, I think what the Mets have done now with a lifelong fan as the owner and seemingly a little more liberty to, to just do things that people will like, um, it, it makes it feel like those roots are celebrated on both sides of the teams that left New York. And something Keith has been saying a lot uh, between Old Timers Day and his number of retirement and everything, uh, just emphasizing, hey, there's 60 years and there's been a lot of great stuff. Sure, there's only two championship teams, but there are a lot of things to celebrate about the organization. And it just feels like the people in charge are proud of the Mets and they're doing a good job of not, um, what's the right way of putting it? it? Not exaggerating the greatness, but celebrating it properly and, and doing it in a way and saying, hey, this is still awesome. This is still great. There's a lot here uh, that, that's happened. There's a lot of individual accomplishment, uh, some team accomplishments, and we can celebrate all of that while also having hopes for a more consistently successful future. Um, yes, yes. Very well said. Uh, very, very well said. Um, so let's let's talk about Old Timers Day for a second. And I... I I think you and I are both in the same ballpark where we are not like I wouldn't call us Yankees fans by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think we go out of our way to shit on the Yankees whenever we can, the way some Mets fans do, and the way many Mets fans do, many Yankee fans rather do to the Mets. Would you agree with that? That we're, we're both kind of fair in our in our Yankee bashing. Yeah, I, I think so. Fifteen years ago, I I couldn't make that claim. But oh, say yes, I, exactly. I matured a little bit in that regard. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so the Yankees old timers day this year replaced the game with just video tributes to different players. And they had those players there to wave. Now, granted, most of the people who were at the, uh, who were at old timers day did not actually get in the game. You know, over 60 players were honored and certainly 60 guys did not take the field, um, but the Yankees supposedly got rid of the game because there weren't enough folks who were who were available to do it or whatever the case may be. And I just point to the Mets and I say they, they couldn't get Daryl. I mean, Daryl Strawberry probably said, I don't want to play. So I'm sure if Shaw wanted to play, they would have had him play instead of having literally Turf Wendell play third base. But, you know, um, that's neither here nor there. But, the you know, Steve Cohen opened up his wallet and brought in a ton of former Mets. For old timers day so much so that i think they could have probably played the game almost twice as long as they actually did because there were so many players that seemed like they wanted to get in and, and didn't you know play pitchers are pitching for one batter Bartolo cologne and billy wagner each pitched for one batter you know but it's just such a contrast for the yankees who i think we can all agree even yankee fans would agree i think overhype their history 
to the point where everyone who's had a decent five years as a Yankee seemingly has their number retired or at least has a plaque or and also what's this bullshit about having a plaque versus having a retired number aren't the same thing for Yankees. So some players have both. Some just have one or the other. It's all too much. Regardless, the Yankees have over celebrated their past for a very long time. And yet this year they can't field enough players to do an old timers day game. And the Mets who have never honored their past really in this way, have an abundance and have this, really nice touching ceremony you know one of the things i don't know if it came across on tv um because i don't i did not watch the broadcast of it so i don't know what, what exactly was broadcast but not only did the mets honor all the players that were there but they had people like they had tom Seaver's daughter accompany someone to the mound they had um uh yogi berra's i believe grand daughter or grandson there they had some of Gil Hodge's family there. Like they, they, they tried their best to honor as many players as they could, even those that had already gone before. And the, it was just such a well-handled thing. The game was so, I mean, it was terrible baseball, but it was a lot of fun. Everyone seemed to be laughing and having just a ball with it. Everybody seemed to want to be hanging out and talking. It was just, it. the vibes were off the charts for how much fun folks were having at the ballpark, both on the field and in the stands. And then the retirement of uh, Willie Mays' number, which if you haven't read the piece on Amazing Avenue by our friend Thomas Henderson, please, please do that. Thomas did a really, really nice job with it. And, you know, I, I think that there's there's three things to consider with this. First of all, Willie Mays is arguably the most important player in the history of New York baseball. He's certainly in the top five. You know, maybe you'd put Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio above him. But Willie Mays is New York baseball. So in National League New York baseball, aside from Jackie Robinson, he's number one. Yeah, and Jackie Robinson did not play as long or have as illustrious of a career for many factors. That is not a slag on Jackie Robinson. But Willie Mays is, is the National League baseball player from New York. And so his number being retired by the National League, by the by the National League base, uh, baseball team in New York is it just makes sense on that level. Number two, he was somebody who, when he came back to the Mets, represented a real connection. I think that the Mets never shied away from their connection to the Dodgers and the Giants, but when he came back, it was sort of the closing of the loop, and I think. It brought an air of legitimacy to the Mets that even a World Series title couldn't bring. Willie Rand—he uh, wants to say Willie Randolph. This is what happens when you were like 23 years old watching every single game 2005 Mets played, 2006 Mets played. Willie Mays was, you know, his power was such that coming back to the Mets legitimized them in a way that nothing else could. And so, for that reason, it's incredibly important. And then the third thing, the original owner of the Mets, Joan Payson, when she brought Willie Mays back, said that she was going to retire his number. And then subsequent ownership groups and her heirs did not make that happen. And so Steve Cohen was correcting an error here by having his number retired. This is not something that he just dreamt up on a whim. This was supposed to happen 50 years ago, almost. 48 years ago, this was supposed to happen. And, you know, I just... I. It makes so much sense. I don't know why it took so long for someone to do this. And the whole day just felt like 
it felt like an event that was put on where nobody was scrimping, not just on the cost. I was, you know, Cohen has a lot of money. And even if Old Timers Day cost him millions of dollars, it's a drop in the bucket of what he has, right? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just saying, look how much money he spent. It was just handled with such class, with such dignity. The players were all, I mean, you know, a couple of players got a little bit more of an introduction than others. You know, Piazza, the the 69 and 86 players. But every player got a Howie Rose introduction with a couple of bullet points from their career. And it was just this beautiful reminder, like you said, Chris, that even though they've only won two championships, there's been good throughout the entire franchise history. And they did this without Jerry Kuzman there. I don't know why Kuzman wasn't there. I, I, he has to be in the good graces of the Mets. They retired his number last year. Maybe he's not doing well. You know, Willie Mays couldn't be there, obviously, as well. Um, but they did it without Ari Dickey, without David Wright, without, uh, you know, some players that maybe are borderline, like, historic Mets. But they're, you know, there are a lot of guys that that, that could have been there, and it still didn't feel empty without those guys. Wright was the only one that really felt like, you know, David Wright should have been there. I mean, Ari Dickey, he's one of the four players to win a Cy Young for the Mets. He should have been there as well. But, you know, it just felt like this beautiful representation of the franchise that we love. And uh, it was one of the nicest times I've ever had at a ballpark. And that's saying a lot. Um, I'm sorry you couldn't be there for it. Yeah, yeah no, thank you. I, I've, I've gotten to go to some things um <clears throat> celebrating past Mets teams or players but this one definitely seemed to <clears throat> take the cake even just from afar it was a it was just such a such a nice event like you said a, a nice time at the park and i think it was really good that the team won the game that followed all of the festivities too just to not have anything i don't know leave a sour taste at the end of a, a really good day for the Mets. Um, yeah, no, it's just what a, you know, what a great thing to be able to do and to do well. And um, I think what getting to watch from afar, maybe one slight benefit was being able to tune into some of the press conferences that were happening. I mean, they're all posted on the internet afterwards, of course, but right. Uh, seeing somebody like Pedro Martinez talk about the team in, in a way that he really cares uh, about what the Mets are doing and seeing the Mets succeed now. And uh, when you think of his career, his 2005 seasons for the Mets was very, very good. But you look back at his overall career, you don't really think of him as a Met uh, compared to what he did with the Red Sox and, and Expos. So, And the Phillies, come on. Well, Sorry. <laughs> no one thinks about the Phillies. Just joking. Uh, but to hear him saying that he's talking to Degrom and Scherzer and saying, "Hey, you know, we," it, it, he's just using the word "we," like that. He still feels like he's a part of this organization, and I'm sure he feels the same way about the the Red Sox too. They've done plenty to celebrate him there, but when you have a guy like a Piazza or David Wright or whatever, of course you think whether they were there on Saturday or not, of course, those guys are iconic Mets that you would 
absolutely expect that they would feel some connection to the Mets no matter what. Uh, and it's just cool to hear a guy like Pedro express that sort of thing when he wouldn't necessarily have to feel that way. But yes, like, he still feels bad that they didn't win it all in 2006 and that he wasn't his best self that year or available, you know, when, when the season was really on the line. Yeah. To have a hall of famer who won the first championship for a team in a hundred years, still feel like a part of your team. <laughs> that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and, and, you know, when you look back, I think just the change in ownership, um, helped to refresh that i mean you had was it ray knight somebody gave a quote that they loved the mets and hated the wilpons like they just said that on the record <laughs> it might have been ray knight it might have been somebody else so i don't want to say i'm 100 percent sure it was him but i know i saw a quote from a former met who said that during saturday uh on the record um but we know from oh geez what what book was it but we know that like Pedro was being pushed by Jeff Wilpon to pitch through injuries. Yep. Um, it's got to be a little easier to feel like you can reconnect with this organization when the people who maybe uh, weren't the best to you when you were in it are gone. So it, it's. Uh, it, Here's my question for you about that. Yeah. Do you think that the reason that there wasn't a David Wright at this is that he feels uh, loyalty to the Wilpons and is kind of mm. staying away for a little bit? I don't know. Because he's I, he was always the best soldier in that right. way. Right, right, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I think he's... I, like, when we talked to him about his book for this show, it just sounded like he's genuinely kind of enjoying being a regular person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, he, he was part of the video that was part of the Keith retirement ceremony. So, you know, they got a, a bunch of players to say, I'm Keith Hernandez. Yes. And he was one of the guys that they got to do that, you know? So it's not like, I'm, I'm sure he's not saying no to everything the Mets are offering, but I wonder if there's part of it where he feels like, you know, he, out of deference to the Wilpons, he is sort of, you know, laying low for a little while. I don't think that'll go on forever, but maybe that's... And also, also, also he has two very young kids, you know, and or two, three kids? I don't even know how many kids he has now. And, uh, you know, he's enjoying being a civilian, and I get that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like he'll be somebody to show up. And again, I forget whether it was Howie or Gary um, or... or one of their counterparts in either booth, but at some point on Saturday, somebody said that you know, David Wright had made a, a joke that, oh, Murph, you know, Daniel Murphy's been, uh, he's been old since, uh, since like forever. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So yeah. Of course he's an old timer, but I, I don't know. Maybe there's just that little bit of like, I mean, what is David Wright now? 41? He's 40. He's, 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 my, he's not even, I believe he turns 40 in December. I believe I'm older than David Wright. So, oh, yeah, still, still 39. Maybe he's yeah. just like, nope, I'm not. I'm, I, I love you guys, but I am not calling myself an old timer in my 30s. Yeah. Maybe it's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a 38 year old, I, I'd like to think I'm not an old timer either. <laughs>
Oh, my knees tell me I'm an old timer every day. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. Um, anyway, so anything else to say about the uh, old timers there? Are we good to move on? I, I think we can move on. You had said before we started recording, we could talk about this for 10 hours. And the fact that we've spent even this much time on it tells you how, how much they did a good job with it. So here's to feeling that way about being a Mets fan or being a Met for the few who are talented and lucky enough to get that opportunity to be something to embrace and celebrate. And, I, you know, I'm going to hit on Pedro again as my last thought on it, but to feel like Pedro thinks he's still a Met too, and not just someone who uh, may have been slighted a little bit in his time. It, let's, let's keep that going. Let, let's, uh, let's have that approach to uh to this team moving forward yeah my last thought for this was i had a really nice thought as as part of this which was you know there were a couple of players there like uh, i was thinking specifically of kevin elster who my uh my father-in-law reminded me that keith and ron do not like and uh have somewhat shit on on the broadcast over the years and i feel like you know it's nice that guys who maybe didn't have the best Mets tenure or the best end to their Mets tenure can still be welcomed home for, for part of this. So like this gives me hope that one day Matt Harvey will show up to old timers day. This gives me hope that maybe one day uh, Greg Jeffries will show up to old timers day, right? Like let's use this as an opportunity to admit that as fans, sometimes we were dickheads to players who maybe didn't deserve it. Or maybe for players to make a mea culpa about their, you know, lack of grace or whatever at when when they were Mets, right? Like let's 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 make this an opportunity for team and players to come together and put silly shit from the past behind us and to just celebrate the good times. Because if you can't find good times to celebrate in baseball, I, I don't know who you are. Yeah. That, that sums it up nicely. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So, as you mentioned, you know, uh, the Mets took three or four from the Rockies. It's a bummer. They wasted a gem of a... Scherzer start to not get the sweep on Sunday, but I think everybody was pretty exhausted from the old timers day, just the magic of that day and the game after and all of that. Um, but then the the Dodgers came to town and the Mets lost uh, Tuesday night's game to the Dodgers by one run. 
And that game felt very winnable for the Mets. You know, there were a couple of uh, borderline strike ball calls that didn't go their way. Uh, There were a lot of men left on base from both teams. It just seemed like that was a team the Mets, a game the Mets could have won with, with, with just a couple of things breaking the opposite way. Each of the other two games the Mets did win felt like the opposite to me, where it felt like the Mets won, but if things had just gone a little bit differently in the other direction, the Dodgers could have pulled those out. All that is to say, it was an incredibly entertaining series, well played for the most part. There was some sloppy play uh, in Wednesday's game, I mean Thursday's game rather, but you know, overall just a really nice preview of what the NLCS might look like, and uh you know, it's it's exciting to watch the Mets being able to hold their own with a team that is as successful this season as the Dodgers, you know, who already have 80 wins and whose magic number is, I think, down to something like 14 to clinch yeah. the division. Yeah, oh, 90, 90 wins they have already. I'm sorry, 90 wins. I'm sorry, 90 wins, yes. <laughs> the Mets already have 80 wins, yes, 90 wins. See, that just takes some getting used to, too, that the Mets are, you know, already, already when they won Saturday, they clinched the winning season. And, uh, you know, for a Mets team that hasn't always done that in, in, in August, that's a very fun thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this just felt like a very, you know, evenly balanced series, even with guys like Pete Alonso didn't do a thing the whole series. You know, uh, Lindor came back in the finale and did a little bit, but Vogelback didn't do anything. Ruff looked like shit. You know, they, 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 they sort of they survived this series without a lot of their big offensive pieces there and so i feel really good about the series do i wish they had swept them sure i do that would have been great for the standings and for the just the uh the confidence boost but overall i am incredibly happy with the way the series went with the dodgers yeah and thankfully the braves dropped a game to the rockies in the series that they played while the mets were playing the dodgers uh happened to be on the same night so that three and game the, and, the, and they lost two of three against the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. So that that three game cushion in the division has stayed intact. Um, there was something, some kind of crazy stat that uh, the Mets and Braves hadn't lost on the same day. I think for five weeks or something. It was over a month. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that one team had won uh, at least, and and every day that they both had games for quite a while. Um, so yeah, it, it sets things up now where I have a little bit of apprehension about Carlos Carrasco making a start on Sunday without a rehab start. I know he hasn't been gone for that long, but, uh, I agree. At least it's the nationals. We joked about it with DeGrom that when he made his first start, that it was basically a triple A team. And, and that is a fair assessment of the nationals. Right now, I mean, they were awful with Juan Soto on the roster, right? Uh, but it's still a little bit of a, I don't know, wouldn't mind if they gave him a three or four inning appearance in Binghamton or Syracuse first. But even Brooklyn, this, this, it's just about getting, it's just about getting some reps. That's all, right? Yeah, just just a yeah. little bit of like a game speed rep type thing. And you know, if he came out and and granted, Clayton Kershaw was coming off a much longer absence. Um, if he came out and had that rusty first inning like Kershaw did, you'd hate to see a Burnham where you, you drop a game to the Nationals that is one that you should just win. 
and, and possibly lose ground in the standings as well. Right. So yeah. uh, the nice thing, and I felt this way about this team now for most of the season, but certainly over the last month or two, um, the Braves have been surging for a long time and the Mets are still playing like they're the first place team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's, yep. there's not, they've lost some games in there, but their overall record, not just for the season, but recently is still very good. Um, they haven't been overmatched by anybody. Um, when they play the Yankees, obviously it was a lot more fun when they won both games in Queens than when they lost both games in the Bronx, but those were evenly matched games in both series. Uh, they edged the Dodgers 4-3 in the season series, you know, and we've made the point. We Let's just forget about those Astros games. But <laughs> right, that, That's the only team that has really embarrassed the Mets this year. Right. A- against top-tier competition, um, they have they have held their own, if not come out victorious. So I think I think they've got this well under control. Um, and if a team should be feeling pressure right now, it is it is Atlanta, not the Mets. I know it's only a three game lead, but if you're the team doing the chasing, you're looking at time running out on you to to make up that ground. And yeah, obviously. And, and the- at a certain point, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chris. I was just thinking That's about okay. this the other day, though. I think at a certain point, the Braves have to prepare themselves to be in the wild card series. That they have to just get in that mindset. Whereas the Mets never have that worry, right? You know, the the Mets should be well suited for that buy, and hopefully, the lighter September schedule will allow them for that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then and look, going into this stretch, the the Mets need to, I don't know, win at a what seven or eight hundred percent winning winning percentage kind of clip, which is that sounds crazy, uh, but it's I also I think it's realistic. Um, they have to win every series essentially. Yeah, yeah, and that that is something that's very possible for them to do. Um, they will probably drop a game or two during this stretch. I'm not necessarily expecting that they're going to go, uh, you know, 13 and 0 against these bad teams, and uh, even the Brewers, who follow up the second series that they have with the Pirates, they they have really not been playing like a competitive team or a contending team. They've they've dropped the division lead. They're three games back in the wild card now for the last spot in it. Uh, they have just not been the same team as they were earlier in the year. So yep. uh, look, if the Mets want to go uh, 20 and zero again, <laughs> until <laughs> or, or however many games there are until they face the Braves again and, and make that series in Atlanta at the end of the month, just completely irrelevant, please do. But I, I can live with the the occasional loss over the next two and a half, three weeks. But uh, the expectation Especially is... as the Braves come down to earth a little bit, which they have to at some point. Right. Yeah. I You would, you would think. Uh, it, both teams have done a really good job of avoiding losing streaks this year. Yes. I mean, I think the Braves hadn't lost three in a row until the Mets did it to them 
directly, right? In that series at the beginning right. of August. Mm-hmm. And then the Mets have only lost three in a row, what, once or twice? I th- I th- maybe twice. Yeah, I know. I know the second game of the Dodgers series. I know that they had mentioned on the broadcast that um, they were looking to avoid their third straight loss, which would have been a rare occurrence this year. So, right. That, but yeah. I agree with you. In theory, they the Braves should have some kind of cooler period. Um, of course, we're going to hear about that as Mets fans that the Braves have a harder schedule than the Mets do. Right. But. Yeah. Well. As Mets fans, there was there was plenty of reminding the Braves fans, anyways, uh, that that was the case for them in June. Yes, of course. So, you know the the Braves didn't have to play the Yankees four times this year. That's nope. the only difference in the schedule between. Did they play the Astros? The two. Oh yeah, and they had one fewer game against the Astros, didn't they? They they played one three game series, not I four. So yes, right. So. Games that they got to play against teams that weren't the Yankees and Astros were certainly easier, no matter who those teams were. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then our, our sort of final topic of the night, and we should just talk about Tuesday's night, Tuesday, uh, rather Wednesday night's game in general. DeGrom's start was, you know, seven innings of one run ball. He did not have his best stuff and still looked awesome. That game also had the greatest catch of Brandon Nimmo's career and a top five all-time Mets catch as well, robbing a home run from Justin Turner, who I have talked about this on the show before. I don't know why Justin Turner bugs me so much, but he does. So to make it catching his homer makes it even better for me. Um, just Just a glorious catch. And then after blowing the first opportunity to get Timmy Trumpet to play Narco for Diaz as he came out, that clip has been viewed over 10 million times <laughs> since Wednesday. Recorded this Friday morning. Yeah. Since Wednesday, that clip's been viewed 10 million times. The Mets are appointment television for baseball fans right now. Even non-baseball fans. My mom talked to me about Narco the other day. Yeah. You know, it's this is uh it's just it was a huge moment for for the Mets in the sort of public consciousness and you know i was four years old in 86 so i'm talking out my ass when i say this but it seems to me like the 86 mets just had an aura about them that allowed people who maybe weren't um super tuned in to baseball to still be aware that oh wow the mets are fun the mets are the mets are doing really well right now and this is like one of my least favorite bits of late nineties, early two thousands Mets fandom. But I remember that happening when the Mets were using who let the dogs out as their like celebratory song. And everywhere you looked, people were talking about like the, I remember it was, you know, newspaper headlines. There was a local version who let the Mets out that got made. Like it was just, there was this sort of, and that's I hate that fucking song, and I thought it was dumb then. I think it's dumb now. <laughs> but like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, there was just there was something about the Mets that went beyond just the diehards who were reading the sports section and watching the game every night. Like, people were talking about the Mets outside of that, and that's the way the Timmy Trumpet thing has felt for this year. It just feels like the people are talking about the Mets and Evan Diaz and Narco in a way that they don't talk about other baseball players. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, 
it's nice to have that happening. It's good for the team and it's good for the sport. And it is just nice to, to have sort of a wider appeal associated with, with them right now. And great job by everybody involved to, uh, to, to make that happen. And SNY gets some credit um, for sure because the way they've broadcast that, I think, helped build up to, to that moment of having a live performance of it for a game. Uh, so lots of credit to them. And Steve Cohen doesn't strike me as somebody who is inherently cool himself. <laughs> No, he, he, he's a billionaire hedge fund manager. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but he, I mean, I don't even know if, if that level of approval would be needed to do that kind of an appearance. Maybe if he was paying for the flight for him to come over. Uh, I don't know. But there, there's enough leeway there to trust people to put that kind of thing together. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe Maybe the people who did events type stuff and and all that felt like they were doing uh everything that they were allowed you know everything they wanted to do in the past maybe it just kind of came together and it's coincidence but it just feels like something that wouldn't have happened a couple years ago i mean the the turnaround is so stark diaz's performance too (laughs) that 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 has helped uh yeah create this this situation but i love it i love for a guy who doesn't know baseball to come in and be like we're going to the world series and i'm coming back like yeah <laughs> and i won't even attempt an aussie accent i've, I've heard many and you, you don't want to hear me try uh, i i had no idea he was australian by the way be, until he spoke <laughs> i had no clue i <laughs> said so yeah i think i had seen that he was um but if you weren't expecting it and then he opened his mouth that that it was crazy. It was, it was, there was some cognitive dissonance there. Yeah. Just um, hunched in the face by. Oh, I... yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was fantastic. Everything about it, you know, and uh, I feel like uh, the Mets were giving away a Timmy trumpet signed baseball on Twitter yesterday. And our, our friend Vast said, imagine explaining this to somebody in 50 years. <laughs> and that's like the perfect way to describe it. Like, yeah. So there was this guy who played this song. It just, it's, it's, it's amazing, but but again, like people care about the Mets, and I, I again, I, I just keep repping our amazing avenue pals here. But uh, Jack McLoon had tweeted in the, earlier in the year along the lines of "Too many people are watching the Mets. Stop looking at them." Like just because it was, you know, it gets scary when when they're the the main story for a while, and you feel like everything's going to fall apart. But it's good when when the Mets are the main story in baseball. They should be the main story in baseball every now and then. And this year is special, and they're gonna. It's gonna continue to be special, and I, I'm just so excited for what this means for, for the the rest of the season. And, you know, if, if this stretch goes the way we hope it goes, yeah, it's just gonna be a glorious, glorious thing. Yeah. Well, here's hoping. I think I think we've got a lot more fun ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of fun ahead of us, Chris, what's your music pick this week? So, without throwing the friend under the bus too much. PJ Harvey may play in New York City sometime in the coming months. Uh, And I I may have heard about that before it was officially publicly released. But if she does, uh, and assuming that information was correct, I certainly recommend seeing the show uh, and 
I looked back. I don't think I've recommended any of her records before, but I am going to recommend Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. Um, I don't think she's made a bad record ever, and certainly it was her earliest stuff that got me into her music. Um, geez, maybe close to 20 years ago that I started listening to her. But Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea certainly has a lot of, uh, I mean, there's, there's straight up lyrics about New York City in there. Um, not that the whole record is is overtly about New York City, but there's a lot of celebration or reaction or whatever. It's, it's certainly a character on this record. Um, and it's just such a good album start to finish and, uh, like well balanced. There's, there's loud stuff, there's quiet stuff and it's all really, really good. Um, Radiohead references are a thing that come up from time to time in, in our picks, whether it's a Radiohead pick or not. Uh, but Tom York does a guest uh, appearance on this record, on the song uh, This Mess We're In, which is a really nice duet with her. Uh, just, I, I I still listen to all of the other records, but when I'm like, it, I don't know, when the mood strikes to throw on PJ Harvey, for me, a lot of the time uh, it's this record. So again, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, uh came out in 2000 jeez i can't believe that record's 20 almost 22 years old uh but yeah check it out and uh if that concert pops up check that out too because she's excellent in the studio and in person an excellent pick uh I, i i love i love me some bj harvey uh so I went with a uh, somebody that I saw this year at Solid Sound, um, which was an unexpected surprise because they were not billed as a musical guest. But that person is Nico Case. We are getting into the autumn, and you and I have talked many times on this podcast about how certain records feel like certain seasons to you. And Fox Confessor Brings the Flood by PJ Harvey has always felt like a late summer, early autumn record. I don't know why. These things aren't scientific. Just trust me on it. It feels like that. To me, this is the best Nico Case solo record by far. Not that I don't love other records she's done, but this one just is special to me. There's a couple of songs in particular. um, Star Witness, That Teenage Feeling, uh, John Saw That Number, and The Needle Has Landed. Just, I mean, maybe... There's there's so many great songs in this, but it's, it's this really beautiful blend of acoustic guitars and gorgeous gorgeous harmonies and some really nice lead guitar work that's very understated i I think sometimes people hear lead guitar and they picture like eddie van halen who's awesome this is not me slagging on people who could play like eddie van halen (laughs) at all but lead guitar can mean so many different things so many different people right even someone like nels klein who has been talked about on the show many times nels does something that is very out in front with with a lot of his lead playing but occasionally he will play a really like restrained laid-back lead and I think in some ways that's even harder to do than it is to like melt your face off shredding. And this record is full of just really subtle, beautiful lead guitar parts as well. Um, you know, this definitely falls into the like alt country Americana type uh, aspect, which may not be for everybody, but I think this time of year is always, uh, you know, 
this is acoustic guitar season in the Salvatore house. So this is this is uh what I'll be listening to for the next week or so. And uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out, please do. It's excellent. And thank you, as always, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. This is a fun show. It's been a fun week as a Mets fan. Let's keep it going for another few weeks. And to do that, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com, where there's lots of great stuff. Chris wrote a great piece about the Mets and Timmy Trumpet yesterday. Our friend Dave C. wrote a piece about the fact that the Mets are, quote, doing it right now, that it seems like the team is finally being embraced the way it should. I mentioned Thomas's piece about the number of retirement. There's just lots of good stuff on AmazingAvenue.com, so go there and check it out. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out quite a bit. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs an App. And until next time, let's go Mets. Mm-hmm.